Welcome to the Central Assembly Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Uh, tonight we've kind of, we've talked in prayer time about some pretty heavy things. Uh, you know, we've prayed for some heavy needs. We heard a great testimony from David about something heavy. And I'm going to talk about joy, but I'm just going to confess on the front end, we're going to get there in about the most trivial way. I almost feel silly uh, bringing this up, uh, but I'm going to say as a caveat uh, to it, in case you're bothered by the way I'm getting at this, I did this talk in staff devotions about a month ago, uh, and Pastor Jim pulled me aside afterwards and said, you should do that on a Sunday night. And I thought, really? Uh, and, uh, but here I am. So if you like it, I'll take it. If it's bad, it was Pastor Jim's fault. <clears throat> uh, so he's, he's right here. You can see him. But uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit about joy and football uh, tonight. Joy and football. Are there any football fans? All right. Yeah, a few, a few, a few. Now, is it, you know, it's the kind that's like a pointy ball, not the round ball, right? Uh, but anyway... Uh, I am a football fan. I am a college football fan. In fact, college football is, is one of my, probably my most favorite hobby. It's what I do to relax during football season. And I, I love, I follow like all, the, I'm a nerd. I follow all the statistics. I watch all the interviews. I kind of like try and understand what's going on. Uh, don't do that with the NFL because I work on Sundays and it's too hard for me to get into it. But on Saturday, I, I mean, I get up and watch college game day and I know the whole schedule uh, the whole thing, <clears throat> and that's kind of my, my relaxation and kind of the way that I unwind, and some of you who know me realize immediately that that means I only unwind for about 14 weeks in the fall, and then and the rest of the time I don't, I don't have anything to relax, uh, but I'm specifically an, an Alabama fan, and now everyone will groan because Alabama, or no, a few people, Alabama fans in the house, yeah, there's, there's a few of you, we all know each other, we kind of run in packs, right, and we annoy everybody else, I think, but but we've had a great run uh, lately. I, I started, I became an Alabama fan. I feel like anymore Alabama's been so good, you have to kind of give the caveat, I was a fan before we were good. <laughs> and uh, so I started when I was a kid, I was about 10 years old, started following Alabama, largely because it was one of the only teams I'd get on TV. You know, you had, you, back in the day, you had rabbit ear antennas and, and things, and you just kind of watch the regional game. I grew up in Tennessee, but I was in Southwest Tennessee, so you get a lot of SEC games, and and you'd get a lot of Alabama. So, and my, my grandfather's from northern Alabama. He lived in northern Alabama when he was a kid. We have some family connections there. So I kind of became an Alabama fan. Now, my dad is a Tennessee fan, and he feels a little bit like a failure because I, he says I turned out almost okay, uh, but except for the Alabama fan part. But I'm an Alabama fan. I've been an Alabama fan uh, for a long time. <clears throat> and, uh, and when Alabama plays, I mean, we, we go all out. In fact, some of you know Pastor Mike McCrary. He's an Alabama fan. You remember uh, Pastor Nick that was our youth pastor here? So it used to be every Saturday that Alabama played, we would all get together at somebody's house, and we'd cook a big spread of food, and we'd watch, we'd watch uh, the Tide. And, and it's been a lot of fun lately because they've been good. They've won five national championships in the last 10 years, and that's, that's kind of an unprecedented run. And they were trying for number six. Uh, earlier this year. Uh, they played against Clemson uh, in January, and, and if you were following it, you may remember they both had exceptional seasons. They were undefeated. Uh, Alabama had just won every game pretty big, except for maybe one or two. Uh, uh, had a close call with Georgia in the SEC championship game, but they were the SEC champions, and they were the big favorite to win. So we were amped up at my house, as you can imagine. The game's on a Monday. I actually had to, I called off a meeting at the end of the day on Monday so I could get home. It was actually with Pastor Jim. Apologies, Pastor Jim. Uh, 
to get home and watch the game. So I got a picture of a scene from my house at the game. There's me and my daughter, she's five, and we're all geared up in our Alabama gear, and we're, we're ready to go. We'd made food. We didn't have any friends over that night because it's kind of a school night. Monday night's a hard night, but my, my kids were all excited, and it was almost like a holiday at the McDaniel house, and we were going to watch this game, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> uh, it was a lot of fun until the game started. <laughs> Uh, if you remember that game, I guess I should say it was okay until the end of the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter, the score was 14-13 to 13, uh, Clemson, and then it was just all Clemson from there, and Clemson won that game. Uh, 40. I got another picture. You can see my, my, my daughter stayed excited, but by the end of the night, the, the air had kind of been let out of the rest of us. Clemson won that game 44-16, to 16. and if you watch that game, it was... Uh, just not even close. Uh, Alabama's quarterback is, uh, he's actually a Pentecostal kid that grew up in Hawaii. Um, and, uh, but he, he had not thrown, he had only thrown four interceptions all season and then he threw two in that game. And, uh, and that just kind of set the tone. They got, I think, the most penalties they'd had in a game and then Clemson was played really well. Clemson just, Clemson just beat us. And, uh, you know, that, that, sometimes, that sometimes happens. So I was... Uh, I was very disappointed. My son, my son, my son is so fun. He like holds out hope. Some of you know Carter T. He like holds out hope. So it's like we're down 21 in the fourth quarter, and he's like, "But we can come back." And so, so we watched until the end, and then he went up and went to bed. Uh, but being a college football fan, like enjoying the sport, I always like to watch the interviews, and I, I even like get on my computer on on YouTube Live or whatever and watch the post game interviews in the in the press rooms. Uh, and things like that, but I stuck around and watched uh, Clemson's post-game inter- the, po- the post-game interview on the field with Clemson's coach. And Clemson's coach is an interesting fellow. His name's Dabo Sweeney. There he is right there uh, in the moment we're going to be talking about here in a moment. But uh, true Alabama fans don't, don't hate Clemson, I don't think, right? I mean, some of you guys know, because Dabo Sweeney won a national title at Alabama as a player uh, in 1992. And he was a wide receiver, and he was kind of known as being a goofy guy that gave strange high fives back then. And, and it kind of makes sense if you see him today. But, uh, and then he played for uh, a legendary Alabama coach named Gene Stallings. And when he became the coach at Clemson, he invited Gene Stallings out. He did a lot of work uh, with the Clemson program and, and really helped Dabo become a good head coach. So we, we have a soft spot for him, even though he, 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 beat us, he, he just beat us off the field uh, uh, in that national title game. But... But Dabo is known for a few things. Uh, you know, not only is he an, is an Alabama grad, um, he, he has an amazing story. In fact, I'd encourage you, I, I can't go into all the detail, but he has an amazing story of just growing up in a difficult situation and how he got into college football and got into coaching and, and various things. So it's a phenomenal story, but he's also known because he's a pretty outspoken believer. He's a Christian, he loves Jesus, and he, he runs his program about as overtly Christian as you can run a program uh, at a secular university. So he's, he's kind of just known as being a generally good guy. So, so I was very unhappy that we lost. I was very sad, but I, I, was, in, I was curious to see what Davo was gonna say. So, so my son goes to bed, I got all the kids in bed, I'm cleaning up the food and I'm kind of mildly depressed. In fact, I'm, 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 but I'm curious to see what Davo is gonna say. And, and in fact, I'm sitting on the couch thinking to myself, I'm mildly embarrassed or convicted about how bad I feel about this. Like, I should not feel bad about some group of guys I don't really know that lost a football game. Like, that doesn't really have an impact on my life, but I'm sitting here feeling this deep emotion about it and kind of, you know, feeling bad for everybody. And then, uh, 
So then they, they start this post-game interview, and I kind of get arrested by what happens because Tom Rinaldi, he's kind of a, a well-known sports journalist there on the right. He, he asks the question. This is the first question he asked. He said, Davo, describe for me your joy right now, the joy that you feel right now. And Davo kind of did a double take, and, and he said, well, that's been my theme word uh, all year. In fact, he does at his program, he, he comes up, he has everybody come up with a theme word for the year. So his theme word for him for this year was joy. So he kind of does a double take and says, well, you know, that's my theme word uh, this year is joy. I've been intentional about it all year. And for me personally, joy comes from serving Jesus and others ahead of serving yourself, serving myself. So you see he made a little acronym for joy uh, up here, yeah, J-O-Y, Jesus and others, and then uh, yourself. And uh, he proceeded to spend, it was a lengthy interview, but it was just fascinating. But he basically, the theme of it, if you could boil it down to one thing, joy doesn't come from winning the game. We're happy that we won, but joy is something bigger than that. And it was just so fascinating to sit there and watch that. And then I really felt convicted because now, now I'm like feeling bad and now I'm getting preached at by the opposing team's coach and it's, you know, and it's working and it's probably more spiritual truth than I was ready for uh, in, in that exact moment. So it was, it was a really interesting situation, uh, but it was what I needed. You know, if, and it was, I kind of sat there and I immediately thought, you know, if joy's not from the winning, despair's not in losing. You know, we can just move on and everything's going to be okay. And, uh, and it really kind of just just steeled in me that joy is, is exactly that, something bigger. It transcends our situation, right? It's not about the circumstances we're in. That's happiness. But joy is something bigger. You can have joy even when you lose the game, even if you lose the game 44 to 16 and, and never really had a chance after the middle of the first quarter. Uh, but, you know, it's so easy, I think, at times for us to think that joy works the other way, right? Joy is attached to our situation. But, but I thought Davo gave me this great reminder that it's not so... So then I can't sleep because I'm feeling convicted and I, I, I ate too much food too late at night. And so I, I stayed up way too late reading about Dabo Sweeney. And I stumbled onto this other quote that he said. And uh, in an interview earlier this season, he made the statement, uh, when people put winning on top, they just become miserable. Even when they win, it's only a relief. And we're never going to be like that here. We're always going to have fun and we're always going to have joy. And he has this real southern drawl, so you can imagine him, him saying that. But, but it was an interesting thing to think about. When we focus on winning, or you know, insert whatever winning would be for you in your life there, uh, when we focus on the result, it just kind of makes you miserable. It takes your joy away because you're so, you feel this pressure right, from, from the result. And I've just let that kind of rattle in my mind uh, for the day, in the days following this. I keep coming back to this. And again, it's like, I think sometimes the Lord uses these really trivial things to help us understand something that's really deep and something he wants to communicate to us. But I keep coming back to this idea that joy is more of a choice, right? Joy is a, a decision we make. It's not, uh, it's not just the fruit of the situation that we're in. In fact, uh, if we think about what joy really is, joy is a fruit of the life of the Holy Spirit, right? We see that in Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23, and that's where Paul says to the Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the marks of a Spirit-filled life, right? We've all, some of you learn, some of you learn those in Sunday school. Some of us, you know, have learned those along the way. I think it's easy to learn what those are. It's hard to maybe kind of live that out 
all the time, but if we think about these as the marks of a spirit-filled life, and by the way, let me say one other thing about Dabo, and then we'll move on. His theme word, two years ago, they beat another undefeated Alabama team in the national championship, so this is their second national championship in, in three years, but his theme word for that year was love. So I'm a little concerned he's just working his way through the fruit of the spirit and they're going to win nine national titles. So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens, but keep an eye on that. But he's, he's won a national title with the word love as his theme word and one with the word joy as his theme word. So he's a neat, neat sidebar there. Um, but, you know, if these are the things that mark the spirit-filled life, uh, you know, um, we, we should have them all the time right? Because we don't just live a spirit-filled life when things are going well and when things are going poorly, we take a break from that. That's not the way we're called to do that, but we're called to live a spirit-filled life all the time. So we should have these things all the time. So all of these things are, uh, are not just temporal based on the situation, but they're things we can strive for even when things are not going our way. Um, in fact, Paul reminds us of this expressly in 1 Thessalonians uh, in in chapter 5, he says, uh, rejoice always. Joy, you know, it's the verb form of joy. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pastor Jim sometimes calls this the prayer sandwich, right, Pastor Jim? And you've got kind of prayer. Uh, you got prayer in the middle as kind of the meat, and it's bookended on each side by, by uh, rejoicing and giving thanks. And, uh, but notice all three of those things, it says basically do all the time, right? We pray continually, that's all the time. Uh, give thanks in all circumstances, that's all the time. And then the most direct, uh, my, one of probably my favorite two-word verse in the Bible is rejoice always, right? Um, uh, you can also see, you know, I think sometimes when I read letters that Paul wrote, it's easy to think, well, maybe this is just for the, this particular audience, right? Well, this is clearly not the case because it shows up in another letter. It shows up in Philippians. Uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So, so this kind of, you can extrapolate, it's been in the letter to the church at Galatia, Philippi, and Thessalonica. This is something that we, for all of us to do all the time. And in this letter to the Philippians, he, he like gives extra emphasis. I will say it again, rejoice. So have joy all of the time. Um, if we're called to rejoice always, it, it can't be a, an emotional response, right? That happiness is emotional, but joy is something that's, that's bigger than this. And, you know, we can realize sometimes bad things happen. You know, I think probably everybody in here has had something bad happen. Something worse than your team losing a football game has happened to all of us. Uh, but we can still, so, so we can have joy through each situation, even when things, uh, even when things are bad. Uh, we, we can learn how to choose joy. Paul emphasizes this idea later in that same chapter in Philippians, in Philippians 4 and verse 11. <clears throat> he says, I've learned to be content. I think we can substitute the, the idea of joyfulness there for content. I've learned to be content or joyful whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That really covers a full spectrum, doesn't it? I mean, you kind of have, you know, when he says whether, <clears throat> whether I'm in need or whether I have plenty, they're kind of way out here on each end of the spectrum and everything else is in between there. So whether I'm here or here or really anywhere in between, uh, I can be content. And he does that with several different examples. You know, every one of those examples kind of sets up a, 
continuum, you know, in need or in plenty, uh, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So you can kind of see that all of those things, when you think about that continuum, what is that again? That's all the time, right? That's, that's always, all the time. Uh, well, how can we do this, right? How can we choose joy? What's our source for joy when we're wherever we're at on that continuum? Well, Paul lays that out in the very next verse, and I think we all know that one. It's where he says, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength, him, Jesus Christ, who gives me the strength. I think this is an easy verse, especially in a football sermon. You can kind of want to cherry pick this one and think that with Christ, that this means with Christ, I can have the strength to win the game. That's clearly not what Paul is saying here. He's saying, uh, you know, it's not about winning or getting what you want. He's not saying you can just invoke the strength of Christ and get out of any bad situation. What he's saying is the outcome doesn't matter, right? He's saying that, that whether you are in having plenty or you're in want, you can do all things. You can do it because Christ has given you the strength. It doesn't matter where you're at on that continuum. Whether you you're, have enough to eat or you don't have enough to eat, you, you can do it because Christ gives you, uh, gives you the strength. Uh, you know, if you have plenty or if you're in need, I can do it because Christ gives me the strength. I think you can insert your thing here for my trivial thing, whether my team wins the game or whether we lose. You know, I can, I can get through it because Christ gives me strength. But there's way more important things than this. Whether, you know, you like your job or you're in a bad job, you can do it because Christ gives you the strength. You know, maybe, maybe you're, you're in sickness. You know, maybe, you know, whether I'm sick or whether I'm well, I can do it because Christ can give me the strength. And we can just run down that list. We can do all of this can choose joy because Christ gives us, gives us strength. It doesn't matter how complicated or how trivial the situation is. We're, we're, we can rely on Christ's strength. We don't have to rely uh, on our own. Uh, well, how can we do this? And this is kind of where we're going to wrap it up for that. How can we do it? Well, uh, how do we know we can do this? It's because Jesus himself invites us to do it. And we see this uh, really spelled out clear in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. That's where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I really enjoy this word picture of, of the yoke. You know, if you think about a yoke, it's the piece, I should have brought a picture of it, but it's a piece that joins the two oxen together, right? And when you, when you take a yoke on you, in this illustration, it's designed for you know hooking up more than one ox. So when you take that yoke, you're you're joining yourself to Christ, and that means when He pulls, all you have to do is walk, right? You just have to walk. You just have to stay in the yoke. It kind of ties in nice. What Jim, Pastor Jim's been talking about moving forward. We we take on that yoke, but He takes the burden, right? He takes the burden, and we just have to keep up. We just walk and move forward. And he, and he carries the weight. Uh, Pastor Jim, uh, interestingly, the, the very Sunday after this football game I've been talking about was the week that he talked about seasons. You might remember my son was up here. He had, had a few of us talking about the three different seasons in Moses' life. And, and the, the final point of that message really, really hooked into this. This is kind of the connection I made for staff devotions about a month ago. But, but uh, he... When he talked about that, his last point was about you know, the seasons, and there's a sovereignty to the seasons. And part of that sovereignty of the seasons means that, uh, in his words in the, that sermon, God handles the pressure. 
while we can relax. And, you know, isn't that the great news? You know, and, and isn't, you know, when we think about having rest in the Lord, we, we get to have, I mean, I think there's probably no better joyful thought than having rest in the Lord and being able to transfer all that pressure onto him. And we can just relax, take on, take on the light burden of Christ's yoke, walk together, join together with Christ uh, as we move forward. In fact, I kind of think it's, it's interesting that that sounds a little bit like what Coach Sweeney said about winning. Right? When we focus on the winning, when we put the results all on us, you don't get to relax. You're miserable. But when you put the results, the burden of the results on Jesus, he, he carries the load. We can relax. We're yoked with him. Our burden is light. We can rest and we'll have joy. And we can do this not just some of the time. It's not just when things get really hard or when things are going well. You can do this. You can do it all the time. Amen. Is that what we want to do tonight? I'll ask you to bow your heads and we'll pray as we wrap up tonight.